go ahead and turn in our Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I would encourage you, as Teresa stated this morning, to pray for our friends in Louisiana. Three years ago, when Katrina came through, uh, we were living just north of Alexandria, Louisiana, and uh, Katrina skipped us. It hit New Orleans and went on east, but we got about 180 people that we took care of for about six weeks in a shelter. And we closed that down two days before Rita came through, and Rita took us out. And I understand that the path of this uh, little hurricane is not only going to hit New Orleans, but it's also going to go right where we lived as well. So it's going to take out most of the state of Louisiana. So let me encourage you to be, uh, to be much in prayer for them. And uh, by the way, now you know why I moved back. But I wanted to share with you this morning as uh, really our last message as a church and on a Sunday morning before we go into revival next week. I want to share with you a message this morning uh, about one area of church life where I believe that if we could get this area right, I believe that most of our churches could experience revival. And that's the area of forgiveness. And I want us to notice Matthew chapter 18 and, and we're going to read verses 21 uh, down through verse 35. And I want to share with you a message about forgiveness this morning. So if you would, let's go ahead and stand out of reverence and respect for God's holy and inspired word. Now before we read this morning, I want to ask for a show of hands. How many of you have ever been offended? All right, so we've all been there, amen? And let's notice what Jesus has to say. Verse 21, Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? 
And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Let's once again look to our Lord. Father, as we bow before you this morning, we thank you for the forgiveness that you have given us. Father, you have forgiven us so many times. And you have forgiven us of things that, that would probably appall others if they knew what was going on in our lives. And Father, I thank you that you allowed Jesus to go to the cross to pay that debt so that you could forgive us. And Lord, we just want to stand before you today cleansed of sin, having experienced the joy of your forgiveness. And Father, I pray that you would help us now to forgive others. Father, help us to forgive others when, when they offend us and maybe don't even mean it. And help us to forgive others who just maliciously go out of their way to hurt us. And Father, I just pray that you'd help us to be like you so that others could see Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'd use this time of forgiveness to bring about real revival in your church. Now, Father, we pray that you'd anoint this service with your power. We pray that you'd glorify yourself in it, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 21, we find here that Peter asked Jesus a question. And this was his question. Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Now, his question was really one of asking Jesus about the limits of forgiveness. Now, Peter knew enough about the Christian life that he knew that, that he ought to be a forgiving person. And probably every single person in this room today, we know enough about the Christian life to know that it's, it's not right when we refuse to forgive. It's not right to carry a grudge against a brother or a sister in Christ. But Peter's question basically was this, Lord, I know that it's not right to be unforgiving, but just how far do I go with this concept of forgiveness? See, as you begin to look at, at Peter's question, even though Peter believed in forgiveness, he also took notice of every time he was offended. I mean, he began to count them up. Lord, how often do I need to forgive? Just seven times? Lord, I, I understand. I, I'm going to remember the first and the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh. Lord, is that how long I have to forgive? Once I've counted to seven, th does that mean I can refuse to forgive anymore? Lord, once I get to seven, does that mean I can get even? But you know, when we keep an account of this, does that mean we've really forgiven? Well, I'll forgive you this time, but when I get to seven, if we're keeping account of all of the times that people have hurt us and offended us, does that mean we have really forgiven them of the seven times? You see, the Bible makes it very clear that when God forgives, He forgets, does it not? The Bible says that when we are forgiven, God casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. And when God forgives, He always gives us a new beginning. Isn't that marvelous? 
And the thing we need to remember about forgiveness is this. The end result of forgiveness is reconciliation. The end result of forgiveness is that we have a new beginning with that person who's offended us. Now, can we really say we have a new beginning if we're keeping an account and keeping score of every time someone's offended us? See, Peter was a little off here, wasn't he? Because Peter was trying to get Jesus to give him permission to say that there should be a limit to our patience when we deal with one another. Seven was a good number as far as Peter was concerned. After all, seven is the biblical number of completeness. So, Lord, once I get to seven, I've done my duty. And, Lord, once I get to seven, once I've turned my cheek seven times, Lord, now it's time to just beat the stuffings out of them. That's what Peter was asking the Lord about, wasn't it? And Jesus said, Peter, you got it all wrong, buddy. It's not seven times. It's 70 times seven. Peter, it's not 490 either. Peter, we forgive. It's to be an unlimited number. Peter, we're to be patient with one another and we're to forgive one another. And to help Peter see that, Jesus shared with him a parable. Now, in the parable, a servant owned, owed a particular king 10,000 talents. Now, today, in our world of money, that would be several million dollars. Now, I've often wondered when I've read that, wonder what that guy did to accumulate a debt of several million dollars. How many of you owe credit card companies? How many of us owe people? Well, you understand the concept here. The the servant owed his king some money. And the problem was that the servant was unable to pay back his debt. Can you imagine having to pay just the interest on several million dollars? And this servant was to the point he couldn't pay his debt. And so to pay the debt, the king decided to do this. Well, I'm going to take everything he's got and sell it. They could do that with me, and it still wouldn't come up to a million dollars, would it you? So he said this, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to take his wife and his children and himself, and I'm going to sell them into slavery. Now, I may not get all of my money back, but that'll teach that guy to to go in debt to several million dollars, and so I'm just going to do that to the guy. And so here's this man, knowing that he's fixing to go into slavery, knowing that his wife and children are to be sold, knowing that everything he's worked all of his life for is going to be sold and given to the king. What would you do? This man, he went to the king and he began to plead and he began to cry and he began to wail and he got on his knees in front of the king. Oh, king, if you just give me time, I'll pay you back. King, forgive me. Oh, Lord, have compassion on me. And the Bible says that the king, filled with compassion, forgave his servant. Don't you wish your credit card companies were like that? Mm -hmm. I tell you what, we could have a revival right there, couldn't we? So here was the man now. He's out of debt. He's freed. His wife's no longer looking at going to be a slave. He's no longer looking at being a slave. His children are no longer looking at being his slaves. He, he, he's going to keep all that he's worked all of his life for. You would think that it would have filled him with gratitude. You would think that it would have filled him with joy. And so what does he do? The Bible says that he went out at this point in time 
and he found another man that owed him money. He owed him a hundred denarii. Literally, he owed him a hundred days' wages, and the biblical time a day's wage was 15 cents. So he now went out and found a man that owed him $15. And you would have thought, well, I've just been, I've just been delivered from millions of dollars. I found this man who owes me 15 bucks. Hey, I'll just write that. No, instead of that, no, he took him by the throat and said, you pay me what you owe me. And the man said, I don't have it to pay. Forgive me, forgive me. He said, no, you're going to jail. And he threw the man into jail. For a debt of $15. Well, the servants heard about it. The servants of the king had seen how grateful the king had been. And they went to the king and they were grieved. And said, you remember that guy that you just forgave of millions of dollars of debt? Yeah. He just threw a guy into jail for owing him 15 bucks. And the king was livid. Wouldn't you be? And he called him back in and said, Look, I had compassion on you. I forgave you a debt you would never be able to repay me back. And instead of being grateful, and instead of being thankful, you found a man that owed you $15 and threw him in jail. And the Bible says that the king then turned him over to the tormentors. And the moral of the story, as Jesus Jesus gives it to us, is found in verse uh, 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now through this parable, Jesus wants us to learn some things about forgiveness. And the first thing that I believe that Jesus wants us to learn is God has forgiven us. The king in the story represents God. And I want you to think about your life, and I want us to think about my life. Folks, listen, every single one of us that's here today, we have offended God. Now, we don't like to look at it that way. We look at each other and say, oh, that person's hurt me, my feelings, and they've offended me. But did you realize that the Bible teaches that because of our sin, we have offended God? Sin offends God because it denies Him His place as our, absolute, as our absolute Lord. Listen, when Jesus saved us, did you know that He not only wanted us to be our Savior, He wants to be our Lord. And how many times have we bowed in prayer and said, Lord, Lord. And Jesus has said in His Word, how can you call me Lord and not do the things that I say? You see, every time we sin against God, we are denying God the absolute Lordship of our life. We're in rebellion against Him and that offends Him. Sin not only offends Him because it denies Him His Lordship, but, but sin also reveals that we love, one, that we love someone more or we love something more than God. You know what the whole duty of man is? Now listen to me. Jesus put it very, very simply. And we've looked at it in, several times in this church. The whole duty of man is to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And the Bible talks about the relationship between Jesus and, and a believer as kind of like the relationship between a husband and a wife. Wives, how many of you hate football season because it deprives you of the attention of your husband? Anybody? Carla, you'll admit it, amen. How many of you wives come football season, your husband's in front of that set and he's watching the Cowboys play? Honey, would you like something for lunch? Yeah, yeah. 
Would you like some, would you like some 14-day-old liver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not listening to a word you have to say because his attention is riveted to Tony Romo, right? Hmm? Come on, let's be honest. And husbands know how to say yeah or no regardless of what the question is. And, and, and sometimes, uh, every once in a while, my wife will say, you didn't hear a word I said, did you? Yeah, I did. What did I say? I don't know. <laughs> and sometimes we, we treat God like that. Except the Bible says that sin, as far as God is concerned, is unfaithfulness. Now, now ladies, men, how would you like a spouse that's unfaithful to you? Somebody says, well, my spouse is only unfaithful to me 80% of the time. How many of you could live with that? Hmm? My spouse has only been unfaithful to me five times since we've been married. Uh -uh. How many of you wives that say, my husband's only been unfaithful to me once and after that he died? <laughs> and God's that way. When we're unfaithful to Him in, in the salvation relationship that we have with Him, it offends Him. It offends Him. And, and notice how sin affects offended God. Uh, listen, sin angers God just as much as it does when someone offends you. Have you ever been offended? Has someone went out of their way to hurt your feelings? Did it anger you? Yes, it did, didn't it? Well, we'll all have to admit when we get offended and when we get hurt, we get mad, don't we? That's like the bumper sticker says, don't get mad, just get even. That's kind of like the way we are. And folks, the Bible talks about sin angering God. You know, we talk about the love of God, and God is a God of love. But, but when you have love, you can also have anger. And do you remember that when Jesus cleared the temple, the Bible says He was angry. And God still is angered sometimes when our actions reveal that we care little for Him. Not only does God get angry at, at sin... Sin breaks fellowship with God. When people offend you, do you break fellowship with them? Sure we do. I'm never going to speak to them again. You've just broken fellowship, amen? Come on. I ain't going to shake their hand again. You've just broke fellowship with them, amen? And we do that with each other, don't we? Folks, a lot of times when we offend one another, we don't even have to tell people we've offended them. You know how it shows up? Hmm? Listen, I never had to know when... I never had to have my mama tell me she is mad at me. How many of you had a mama like mine? I got the look. Hmm? You see... When we, when we anger people, when we hurt people, and, and when we're offended, it shows, does it not? And, and, the, and the fact that we're not in fellowship with them, that shows, doesn't it? And sin, it, it breaks our fellowship with God. And sin demands payback. The wages of sin, the, the Bible says the wages, the word wages is a, is a paycheck. The wages of sin is death. And the ultimate payment for sin is eternal banishment from God in hell. Now, folks, listen, we can't pay for our sin and live to enjoy it. 
Like that servant, he had a debt he couldn't pay. And folks, when it came to sin, we had a debt we couldn't pay either. But God, when he looked at us and saw that we deserved to spend eternity in hell, you know what God was? He was compassionate and he was merciful. God knew that we were bankrupt. God knew that we could never pay for our sin debt and live. But God in His mercy, He wanted us to be debt free. And God in His mercy, He wanted us to be able to fellowship with Him. And so what God did is He paid the debt for us. Isn't that marvelous? That's why Jesus became a man. Jesus became a man so that He could go to the cross as our sinless sacrifice and pay the debt of our sin with His own precious blood. And that blood shed at the cross became the ingredient that washes away our sin. And folks, no matter how big a sin debt we owe, or no matter how small a sin debt we owe, through Christ we can be forgiven. Now you know what the word forgiveness means? It means the cancellation of the debt. If your credit card company forgives you, they wipe the slate clean. They're not going to, but if they did... But God, when He forgives, He looks at all of the sin we've ever committed. He looks at all of the sin we ever will commit. And when, G when He saved us from our sins, He wiped the slate clean. And He washed us from our sins in the blood of His only begotten Son. Now that's the good news of the gospel. Through Jesus Christ, folks, we can have a new beginning. We're forgiven. But because we're forgiven... Christ expects us to forgive. Now, now I understand people are going to offend us, folks. We, we need to realize that. Jesus said in this world, offenses will come. Sometimes we're, people are going to offend us and they won't even realize that they've offended us. You remember when Jesus was on the cross and, and, and as he was crucified, he looked down on the crowd and said, Father, forgive them. And remember what he said? They know not what they do. There are some times that people offend us. They don't mean to offend us. That was not their intention whatsoever, but they did. And there are times that we've offended people and not even known it. Come on, let's be honest. But the offense is still there. Then there are times that we get offended because somebody confronted us when we were wrong. And because we're proud, we got our feelings hurt. Come on, isn't that true? They didn't have to tell me I was wrong. But we got our feelings hurt. We were offended. That's a wrong way to get offended, but there are a lot of people walking around in life that are carrying offenses with them they should have never gotten offended over to start with. And then, folks, there are times when people will just outright be malicious to us and intend to hurt our feelings. I had a man walk into my office one day, and this is how he started. Brother Mike, I just wanted to see you today. I know I'm fixing to hurt your feelings, but I don't care. And I stopped him. Well, if you know you're fixing to hurt my feelings, why don't you go somewhere else? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't. And he did hurt my feelings. And, and there's some people like that. that, that are just, they just enjoy seeing other people get their feelings hurt. Have you ever been around someone like that? Don't offend them, but they don't mind offending you. 
But even as we look at these things, and even as we look at how we've been offended down through the years, let's understand something, folks. No one will ever hurt us to the extent that we've hurt Christ. Now, it gets quiet. But no one will ever hurt you and me like we've already hurt Jesus. And you know, even after we get saved, we continue to sin. Folks, did you know we've sinned more times against God than someone will ever hurt us? Somebody says, well, I've been offended 15 times in my life. Folks, did you realize we probably sinned more than that in one day? And God forgives. Aren't you glad He forgives? Aren't you glad that He doesn't treat us like we want to treat others? See, we, we've, been, we've hurt God to an extent that, that if it wasn't for His grace and if it wasn't for His mercy, He would have judged us long ago. And we ought to remember how God has forgiven us when we want to hold a grudge or we want to get even. God has forgiven us to a far greater degree. Secondly, let's notice that the forgiveness that we've received of God was undeserved. You know why God forgave us? Because he was, had compassion. And, and you know what mercy is? Mercy is not giving us what we deserve. Now, folks, listen. When it comes to God, you know what we deserve? We deserve to spend eternity in the lake of fire. I don't care how godly you are. I don't care how righteous you are. I, I don't care how godly you think you are. When it all comes down to it, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death and all of us in here have sinned. That's what we deserve. God didn't give us what we deserve. God was gracious. God was merciful. And God has given us out of His compassion more than we would ever, ever deserve. And God expects us to forgive in the same manner. I know that sometimes we say, well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. That's true. We didn't deserve God's either, did we? Hmm? So we need to forgive even when, even when they don't deserve it. Somebody says, well, if they do enough penance, then I'll forgive them. Aren't you glad God forgave us without having to do enough penance? Can you imagine what we would have to do to earn the forgiveness of God? We couldn't do enough, could we? God doesn't make us earn it. He just gives it to us out of His grace. And that's the way He expects us to forgive someone. God expects us to forgive because, listen, He has forgiven us. And every time we forgive someone, we should remember how He has forgiven us. We had a couple of guys in the first church that I ever pastored. And that church had had problems for years before I got there. And God was just gracious to allow me to be used to help them in a little bit. But we had two, two men in our church. One sat on this side of the building and the other one sat on this side of the building. And it was amazing to watch them. One would make a motion in a business meeting and the other would wait to see what motion was made so he could argue against it. Then the other one would make a motion, and the guy over here would see, and he would argue against it. And, and I went through that for a while. I finally went to see him, and, and one of them was one of our deacons. I said, Mr. Oscar, what's going on here? He said, oh, we, we, we've had problems for years. I said, well, well, tell me about it. Both of them owned a little grocery store out in the country, about three miles apart. And, and they had gotten into a business arrangement where they were competitors. 
And to show you what their, their competition was like, both of them sold gasoline at their grocery stores. And so one would get up on the telephone pole with his binoculars to see what the other one was selling his gasoline for, and he'd undercut him a penny. And so they got to going at that, and one day one of them was actually selling his gasoline for less than he was paying for it. And Mr. Oscar realized that. He got a tanker truck to go down there and get all Mr. Elmer's gasoline. They were always going at it. And so as the church began to build the parsonage, they got in there and had a fight one day. I said, Mr. Oscar said, you're a deacon. Can't you just show him some forgiveness? And he looked at me and said, you know, I've never tried that. <laughs> and that old man who was in his 80s now walked over to the other old man who was in his late 70s and said, you know, we've been at it for years. He said, neither one of us have prospered a whole lot, have we? He said, I'm not going to relive everything, but would you forgive me? And I thought the other guy was going to have a heart attack. And when he got over the initial spell, he said, yeah, I'll forgive you. And you know what? The next Sunday morning, they sat side by side on the second pew. You thought I was going to say front row, didn't you? Second pew. And that little church experienced revival. Now, folks, let me share something with you. That's what's needed in our churches today. We just need folks to love one another, not because of who we are, but because of who He is. Because I want you to notice what happens when we won't forgive. See, an unforgiving spirit angers God just as much the unforgiving spirit angered the king here. And the Bible says that God will turn us over to the tormentors. What do you mean by that? Folks, listen. I believe when we have an unforgiving spirit, God will torment us by blessing the person that we won't forgive. Have you ever noticed, folks, Here's this guy, and he's jealous, and he's mad, and he's angry, and he's offended. And what happens? God always blesses the guy he's mad about. Have you ever noticed that? And then he sits back and says, God, why didn't you bless me? I deserve it more than him. And what God is saying is, when you forgive, I might. Come on, some of y'all. I'm either getting close to home or y'all getting ready to go home. I don't know which. I think also God, one who has an unforgiving spirit, is tormented by his own guilt in refusing to forgive. Folks, I have never known a person with an offended spirit who was happy. Have you? I have known folks with offended spirits who look like they're sucking on dill pickles all day. Look, you can't be happy carrying an offended spirit. Because that is not God's will for our lives as believers. Listen, God's will for our lives as believers is to forgive and to be like Jesus and to experience the joy of the Lord. And no one will ever have the joy of the Lord when you go around in life hating a brother or sister in Christ. Not going to happen. And one who has an unforgiving spirit is going to be tormented by the way his sin of unforgiveness has broken his fellowship with God. So you can't have fellowship with God and hate your brother in Christ. How can we say we love God whom we've never seen and hate our brother whom we have seen? That's what John says. And God gets so angered by our unforgiveness that he often refuses to use those who won't forgive. It's only when we forgive that God can use us as a church. I told this story to our, our 
college kids this morning, and I, I still remember as a young college boy myself when Harold Davis told us this. Harold was pastor of a, of a church in, in Overton, Texas, when I went to school in Henderson. And Harold went to, to uh, preach a revival in a little church one day. Hang with me because I'm almost through, okay? And this little church had been just ripped asunder, one group against another, one group against another. So by the time Harold went there to preach their revival meeting, they didn't have a song leader, didn't have a preacher. So he went to, to lead their revival meeting. He got to lead the singing, and he got to do the preaching, and he got to do all the praying, and they couldn't take an offering because nobody volunteered to do that either. Sunday, dead. Monday, dead. Tuesday, dead. And finally, he, he just had enough of it. And he said, now, now, folks, somebody has at least got to volunteer to pray here today. Nobody volunteered to pray. Everybody sat out there with just a, just a mean, ugly look on their face. And finally, a little mentally retarded boy in the church said, Brother Harold, I'll pray. I'll pray. Harold said, you know what? can't hurt so he said young man go ahead and pray this is the little boy's prayer paraphrasing it dear Lord you know these folks is sorry you know these folks is no good Lord you know these folks is full of the devil Lord would you just come down from heaven and knock the hell out of these folks <laughs> amen The little mentor boy sat down. And I want to show you how God can use things. One of the men in the church stood up and he said, You know, that young boy's right. We've been living like the devil. We've been acting like heathens around here. And he looked over and said, Call the name. Would you forgive me? The other man stood up and said, Yeah, I'll forgive you if you forgive me. We've both been acting like demons. And before it was over, they had people at the altar weeping, praying together, hugging together. They had revival because they could forgive. Because they could forgive. Now, folks, I want to ask you this and we close. Is there somebody that you're holding a grudge against? Somebody you just can't stand? The even thought of them just infuriates you. Let go of it. Let go of it for your sake. Let go of it for Jesus' sake. Let go of it. Give it to Jesus. He has forgiven you far more than that person has ever done to hurt you. Let go. Give it to Jesus. Wipe the slate clean and start afresh. Father, we thank you today for your goodness and mercy. We pray now that you'd just be in this service during this invitation time. And Father, I pray that you would just reach out throughout this congregation to cause us to turn to you, to let go of our hurts to where we can love you, to let go of our hurts to where we can have the joy of, of your salvation in our hearts, to let go of those hurts, Father, where we can love people around us and forgive others. And I pray, Father, especially for that person that's lost, that they might turn and receive you as Savior right now. Father, this service is yours. Use it as you see fit, for it's in your name.